I was very settled. Um, and I thought either this is going to be my career for the next 10 or 15 years, or I start a company. <laughs> hey, everyone. It is Angie Morgan Wachowski. I'm the New York Times bestselling author of Spark. Bet on you leading from the front. I'm a Marine veteran, but more importantly, I get to bring to you this Bet on You program, season three, where we're talking to small business owners about how they built their dream. I am so excited about this guest. Sarah Magruder runs a professional services firm. And it's funny because I was thinking about that, a professional services firm, because when I grew up, I really thought about business just as selling something. You know, anything, whether my, my friend's dad was an inventor and he always was coming up with these interesting things that he wanted to sell. I never thought about, of course, I was younger, selling your expertise. And as I got out of the Marine Corps and started looking around at some of my friends who were developing companies, I'm like, wait a second, you can make money off your niche knowledge that you have. You can make not money off your expertise. How do you go about doing that? It just kind of marveled me. So Sarah Magruder is going to you know, share with us how. So where you sit today, you might say to yourself, you know, I do have this really narrow expertise that everybody keeps coming, me to, coming to me for. That could be a business. Or maybe like Sarah, you have built a business within a business or developed a business line. You might think, well, why can't I do it for myself? And that's going to be our question to explore today. Yeah, why can't you do it for yourself? Because the ideas, the dreams, whatever images in your mind of the things and possibilities that you can do can be done. I know this because I see people all the time. They are out there doing it. So let's dive in. Hey everyone, I am so excited about today's conversation with Sarah Magruder. She is the founder and CEO of Savvy Oil and Gas Consulting. I love that. Savvy. Sarah, welcome to Bet on You. Thank you so much. <laughs> I have to jump off. Tell me about your background. I'd love to hear what your experiences in life are like to get you to the point of launching your business. Sure. Um, you know, it kind of goes back to everything goes back to your childhood. And I think we can relate on some points that I'm a Navy brat. My dad was a Navy captain um, for my whole life. He he went to the Naval Academy. Um, we did not travel internationally. We were domestic. So we were mainly in Hawaii twice, California twice, Florida. Um, so that that plays kind of a big part in in my journey. Um, and then my mom, of course, was the super Navy wife and she's a teacher and she was a special education teacher for um, 30 years. And my dad was in the Navy for 30 years and retired from there as well. So um, a lot of I find who I am and kind of what I became and, and all of that started with my childhood and upbringing. You know, when you're in the Navy and you have to move around quite a bit. You've got to learn to be adaptable. You've got to make new friends. You've got to figure out your place and in in that new area that you end up in. And then we also had a very strong family with kind of the Navy, the wives, the when when my dad was deployed during the Gulf War and everything, you you had this big family taking care of you. So um, and then of course with my mom being a teacher, uh, seeing that with her students and everything, I feel like I kind of was the the child of two leaders. One was in mm -hmm. a classroom and one was on a ship. 
But um, I, I got to go on a Tiger cruise with my dad. He was a commanding officer of uh, multiple ships. That was a really cool experience. He was one of the the first captains of a ship that had both males and females on it. Wow. So I was able it's to funny, go Funny, right? Like thinking about it now. And a Tiger cruise, for those of you who aren't familiar with the concept, it's when members of a ship, they invite their families to kind of get exposure to that. I bet that was just a really perspective shift for you to see what exactly your dad did when he went away. It, on a you know, it is. It's interesting that the take your child to work day is a little bit different when you're a Navy captain. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of grew up with... Um, you know, my dad's crew was always at our house. He was he was very bonded with them and very close. And we're still close with a lot of them today. Uh, going on the Tiger Cruise, my brother and I got to go and and watch my dad in action and go up on the on the deck and and sit in on his meetings and you know be a part of that and and see it. And then I've also done a lot of work with my mom in her classroom, so I had a lot of that modeled for me um, growing up. So. Uh, Louisiana was always home. That's where my mom was from. And so when my dad was deployed for long periods of time or anything, we would go back to Louisiana. And that's what I've always considered home. So um, when it's time to go to college, I went to LSU and, uh, and went home there. And um, I, I tell people the, the story that <laughs> I had no idea what I wanted to be when I grew up. At first, I thought I wanted to be a veterinarian, and then I interned at a vet clinic and was like, oh, uh, apparently I can't handle the side of blood. And so then I was like, oh, I'm going to be a lawyer and be like Perry Mason and go in there. And, you know, and then they were like, you know, being a lawyer, you spend about one percent of time in court and the rest of the time reading and writing things. And I was like, yeah, never mind to that. And so then I thought maybe I'd be a writer and go to Italy and write a book. I'm not sure about what. Uh, but um, I got a full ride, academic ride to LSU and ended up with a student job in the finance or the business school. And so since I was there all the time, I started taking business classes and liked it. And uh, so I ended up getting my degree in business. Um, and then when I came to Houston, I the job that I got, I just happened to end up in oil and gas and severance tax uh, is what I specialize in just by happenstance, got invited to be on the team and, and have been doing that for the past 22 years. So um, I started out in consulting and then uh, made the shift after about five years to industry and went to work uh, for an oil and gas company, did that for 10 years and led a couple teams, went back to consulting, started a um, severance tax practice from the ground up at an existing company for five years. And then it, it kind of got to the point where I was, I was very settled. Um, and I thought either this is going to be my career for the next 10 or 15 years, or I start a company. <laughs> and that's the one thing I hadn't done. And uh, the timing was right. And I just felt like, um, I felt like I could do it. I needed a challenge. I, I don't know. I feel like sometimes 
I'm on kind of a four to five year cycle of I need something new every four to five years to challenge me. I think that's the military lifestyle. And I noticed that about myself too. It's like every three to four years, I, I get the itch. Shouldn't I be moving? Shouldn't I be getting a new location? I want to go back to that time because in, in many ways, what I'm hearing from your career story is that you were exposed to a lot of ideas and you learned leadership from your family members and it's really part of your DNA and you actually built a business within a business, I bet that experience gave you a lot of confidence to say, wait a second, I just did this for somebody else. Why couldn't I do this for myself? Was that part of your thinking? It was. Um, it absolutely was. When when you sit back and look and say, I, I built this from the ground up and can I do that for myself? I, I think I can. And I think I can put together um, before I started Savvy, um, I put together a list of my dream team. Like if if I could if I could hire ten people that I know already to be my dream team, who would they be? And all of them work for me right now. So I literally, you know, six months before I started Savvy, and it's been a slow progression, you know, throughout that, but. I had kind of picked my unicorns, as I say, and uh, and then worked to to get them on the team to build very, very purposely. You know, I had a plan and and it it took time, but um, I think that was a big part of it. But you're right about having that impression. I remember my my dad's still a blue and gold officer for the Naval Academy, which is uh, they help uh, candidates get get births at the Naval Academy. So I went up there with him. Um, one summer and did a tour of the Naval Academy. And on the tour, I call it the tour of my life because they're telling you about everything at the Naval Academy, all of the things that they're taught, you know, the the principles of integrity, honesty, truth, you know. And I was like, oh, this is what I've been taught my whole life. And I didn't realize it came from the Naval Academy and the Navy, you know, like, I thought that was just my dad. You're like, wait a second. Where's my degree from the Naval Academy? You know, this, you know? <laughs> it, was, it was really funny because I didn't realize how much of that was embedded in my dad, was embedded in the Navy, was then just kind of translated at home naturally. Uh, I just thought that that was my dad invented all of that. <laughs> And I think that that's where our um, backgrounds align because growing up in the Marine Corps and leaving the Marines for the private sector, I thought everybody knew what leadership was and these principles yes. and behaviors. And lo and behold, you're like, wait a second, I sense an opportunity. And I hope the listeners are picking up on this right now. The things you think are common sense to you might actually be the exact skills that are going to make you successful in business or in fact, could be an expertise that you have, especially when you're talking about your business, severance tax. I gotta be honest, I don't even know what the heck that is. I mean, I have a sense of what it is, but what a great specialty and niche. So it's funny that you say that about severance tax because my parents didn't actually know what that was either for about 10 years that I was doing it. They thought that I did severance packages for people when they left companies. And uh, <laughs> I think it was the very first podcast I was on a couple years ago. Uh, I, somebody asked that question and my parents listened and they go, that's what you do. And I was like, you didn't know this whole time, but, uh, it, what it is, is, uh, it's a state tax imposed on any natural resource that is severed from the earth. So it's a, it's a compensation back to the state 
for products taken from the earth. So oil, gas, timber, coal, gold, iron ore, anything that is severed from the earth, it's, it's essentially whatever company is severing that is having to reimburse the state for taking that natural resource from the ground. And um, all of those taxes have different rates by state. Um, they have different incentives and deductions that align with them, kind of like TurboTax. You know, if you drive a blue Prius from 1999, then you get a tax credit. You know, it's kind of that. And a lot of those are based around um, practices such as making sure that you're environmentally friendly or you're you're doing things in a way that is is better for the environment or the earth. There's a there's a lot of that incentivizing companies to be very cognizant of that and giving them a tax break back. So Amazing. we go in and and we help companies save money and make sure they're taking advantage of all of those. And we know all of the the kind of legislative statute and we we track and follow that and then just help them all with that area. So obviously in Texas and just in oil and gas that's one of the biggest severance tax issues. And every state that has oil and gas has a severance tax. And it is, it's a very specialty, very niche area, but it's one that very few people have expertise in. And so there's a lot of demand for it. What do you, when you are an entrepreneur getting a business off the ground, or even at the stage of your business, what do you look for in the people who you hire? So it's interesting. I kind of mentioned I, I had my unicorn list, my my dream team, um, and it was made up. Uh, everybody on my team either worked for me in industry or they were my client at one time. So um, I had the one of the things about being a consultant is you get to meet a lot of different people and from a lot of different size companies. And when you connect with somebody that you really admire not only their skill set, but the way they do business, the way they lead. Um, you, you make note of that because, again, it's I'm in a very small field and uh, I know what to look for in, in my unicorn, so to speak. And that's somebody who is a problem solver, a self-starter, does not need to be micromanaged, um, can handle and lead, can problem solve. So there, there's definitely, you know, has very strong integrity, always wants to do the right thing. There's very, uh, some very distinct principles that, that matter to me. And when I see those all in one person, they, they kind of go on my short list. And so that, that has happened and that's how I built my dream team. And you're right to, to be able to not only start my own company, but to work with people who, I love and admire and all of them I pursued and, and asked them to join the team. So we haven't ever really done a hiring or an opening of any type. I very specifically cultivated the team based on what the needs were for the practice, but also based on the people and getting along. And uh, before we, as, as we added each team member, just because they were on my short list as a unicorn, you know, I still everybody would interview them to make sure that they fit in with our small team so that we could make sure that we're, we're all aligned and, and uh, on there. So it's really great. We, we pretty much, we meet every Monday. Um, we work in several different states, so it's a lot of virtual, but every Monday we meet, we, we do our agenda for the week. We go over, uh, do kind of a postmortem of the prior week, what needs to get done this week. And then everybody goes off and, and does their thing and handles their business. And so it it is uh, it is a blessing 
Um, it was very purposeful, the, the way that it was built. And the goal is when I started this was not to grow really huge and, and or sell off to somebody. I wanted uh, to keep a very tight group of people who were super experienced. I'm, I'm the youngest person on my team. So I hired people who are, are very experienced and very good at what they do, very mature, very emotionally mature, high emotional IQ. Um, we like to do a lot of personality tests just for fun, but uh, we really work, work well together. And uh, it, it's just a, it's a blessing every day. And I, I feel the same way about my clients, to be honest. You know, when, when we meet a client, it's nice when you own your own business to be able to say, do I want to work with this company? or do I not, you know, it's, it's that choice. So we also kind of pursue our clients in the same way as people we want to work with who are aligned with our business. So you bring up, oh, sorry to interrupt, but you bring up a really great point too, is that building a business to the place where in many ways it's the luxury to decide clients that you get to pick and choose. I imagine when you're building your business, you may not have had that, I will call it again, luxury. Can you talk about, so I was thinking about products versus selling for professional services. You know, if I'm somebody who has a dream to build a board game or to create this widget in my garage and bring it to market, very different than selling professional services. In many ways, you're selling yourself. How did you get over that in the early days of selling professional services? That's such a great question because uh, I will tell you that when when I started the company and to this day still, I listen to every leadership podcast I can. I read books constantly. I'm constantly trying to get better at what I do and, and to try different tactics to see what works. So when I first started, like you said, you're kind of cold calling everybody, like see what works. And, and I was going to people telling them what I could do for them. And, you know, they were like, we get hit by 10 consultants a week telling us, I can save you money. I can do this. And I sat back at some point and realized I need to be asking them what they need, what, what their pain points are and what they need help with instead of telling them what I can do for them, because I don't know their business. They're not my client yet. So I really shifted to a, let's have a conversation. Let's get to know your business. Let me hear what you're having problems with. And then I can tell you how I can help you. And once I made that shift, almost everybody we talked to signed as a client immediately because instead of just being cookie cutter going in, I, you know, it was really doing a needs assessment of what do you want help with and where, where do you need it the most? And once we customize that, it, it's like an easy yes after that, because you're you're doing exactly what they need. How can they say no? So imagine right now that our listeners, you got somebody in our audience, they have this thought, they've got this very specific expertise and they wonder to themselves, can I do it? Can I start a professional services firm? What advice would you give to them? I would say the old adage, the... Uh, if you if you fail to plan that you plan to fail so the more planning that you do that goes into that there is a lot that goes into it um not not just your budget where your money comes from but the importance of having an attorney to have good contracts and agreements 
the importance of accounting as a small business, what deducts can you take and how, how can you budget this and, and how are you going to operate um, all the way down to who are you going to hire and how are you going to pick those people? Who do you want your clients to be? How are you going to approach them? All of that needs to be thought through before you start. And uh, the other thing that we, we do a, a lot of is someone told me early on, if you want to, to be big, to succeed, uh, you need to act big. So you need to have good, good contracts, good attorneys invest in, in the things that you don't do well. <laughs> you need the, the best experts to set you up for success, but also social media, for instance, um, that's one of the best free marketing tools that's out there. So you can leverage that. And if you invest in good marketing, that you plan out very strategically ahead of time, which we do once uh, we do that in a month of an advance. We plan out our social media, we schedule it. We've gone and done studies on algorithms and how to get seen because that's the best free marketing that you can get to where you look like you're a big shiny company, um, but you're really only 10 people and it's on a very small budget. So a lot of people comment on our marketing a lot. And I, I just kind of chuckled to myself because I'm like, well, I got to crack the code for that of how to get less or how to get more from less. And I think that the more that you plan and see all of those areas, the better chance you have is success. Wise advice. Again, I always think about investing in accountants and lawyers is like buying a roof on your house. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to spend their money on a good roof, but man, when it's storm season, you want a good roof. And then the marketing, yeah, yeah, we get so excited about all the investments, but sometimes the free stuff is the best. Final question though, Sarah, um, and I want you to complete the sentence. Don't start a business if, can you complete that sentence? So. I would say don't start a business if you don't know where you want it to be in five or 10 years. Advice. <laughs> that is fantastic advice. I love how you're really allowing people to really think through the plan and the vision and what you want this to be. Sarah McGurder, thank you so much for joining us on Bet on You. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> So you can easily tell from Sarah's story that her background was so influential in her life. So one of the first of the three things I picked up from Sarah's story is that your upbringing, maybe there was something that you observed um, among your parents or something you listened to on dinnertime conversation that just influenced your perspective. That could be a competitive advantage. That could be a secret that you bring into this business world. Or maybe you observed your parents as business owners and got to see how they ran their accounting. Or I don't know, there could be so many things, but just don't discount the fact. You might say to yourself, you know, I've got no experience in this, but don't want to discount all your experiences. You probably have a lot of experience. You might think that it doesn't matter. I'm here to say that it does. So you're not starting from ground zero when you're thinking about building that business. Second thing that I was thinking about as a takeaway from this episode is that think about what you're doing now. 
how you're delivering value to your organization, how you're contributing to revenue, how you're contributing to profitability, maybe even how you're serving your customers. Maybe you've got a unique talent and skill and those experiences that could actually be a business. It might be a little scary to think that you're stepping outside and doing it for yourself, but in reality, you're doing it already. So you've got more than enough, certainly got to take on some more responsibilities. But I promise you, as Sarah was saying, like there's a lot of planning and that's takeaway number three. There's a lot of planning, but that bet that you want to take on yourself with the right idea, with the right motivation, with the right confidence, and number three, takeaway with the right plan, you're able to see success. And planning for success, I would say, would arguably be one of the most important things to focus on. So think for the future. Think about what it is that you want to do and the potential of what those amazing ideas can be. So this has been Angie Morgan Wachowski, and I want to stay connected in a simple way. Uh, my team and I, we decided that it was really hard to spell Wachowski. So the easier way to stay connected would be to go online, go to www.angieconnect.com, and you can stay engaged and figure out how to stay connected to us, the program, and get access to when we have new uh, episodes from our podcast that are about to drop. Have a good one.